Hi, I'm Eric, also known as TrekkieV47, from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? <gasps> what a horrible thought, Miss Brandt! <laughs> To listen to this show, find us on 4eyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration, and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And before we get into it, a bit of Word Snapper's business. Er, never mind, my bad. I thought I saw that she had, but actually Lillian didn't submit Word Snapper's words. So... Uh, we are joined today by a guest, because like we said for our 1967 coverage, we are bringing on our friends to talk about Spider-Man, and today we are joined by Eric of Ranger Command Power Hour and Starfleet Escape Podcast. What's going on, Eric? Hey, how's it going? My spidey sense is tingling very much to, to this episode, so I'm <laughs> I'm ready to talk all about it. Beautiful. Now, you have been on the show before, so we yes. already talked about your background with Spider-Man sort of in general. Um, that was when we were talking about the Japanese Spider-Man mm-hmm. uh, show, the Toei show. I think it was our New Year's special. Yes. Um, but do you have any sort of background or familiarity with the 1967 cartoon? Aside from the theme song, absolutely no experience with it. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> I love to hear that. Also, that's pretty much the boat I'm in. Like, I've said that I feel like I have some sort of like vague residual memory of it from right. something, but not nearly enough to say with confidence that I have familiarity with it. But yeah, obviously the theme song. This is where that comes from. <laughs> now, this is something I want to ask the both of you since I don't yeah. know, since it is kind of in our collective consciousness of our, our youth. Did this like air on syndication anywhere, like maybe in the 80s or 90s? Derek, that's um, all you. <laughs> it it did a little bit. I like when what like when we were growing up, I don't feel like like when I was a kid, I don't feel like I ran into it very much. I think it right. probably was in syndication in the 70s and maybe in like the earlier 80s, but I think by the time that the 81 show and Amazing Friends aired cuz that was at the beginning of the 80s, that became like the quote-unquote old Spidey show that would be rerun everywhere. Okay. Um the only time that I remember from my youth, it airing, it wasn't even my youth. It was when I was a teenager and ABC family um, aired a few episodes of this show. Like they did like a Spider-Man marathon mm. where they did a bunch of Spider-Man episodes across different shows from just whatever they own. And that's the only time that was the first time I ever saw any episode of this show. They showed the first episode of it. Um, but that was when I think I was like, like 15, like I think it was probably like 2004, 2005 or something like that. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I saw something like, like that, but yeah, 2004. Okay. Well, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> it may have like aired like locally. Like I wouldn't be surprised if maybe like some cities 
aired it in syndication. I don't know the extent of it, but it wasn't something that was like wide, like across the board aired. You know what I mean? But I mean, as soon as I was rewatching this um, or actually watching this episode, not rewatching because we just said that I don't even know if I've ever seen these. Mm hmm. But as soon as that theme song came on, I was <laughs> 60s grooving, man. I was like, let's go. I, I mean, I, 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 I have like recollection of that song and maybe I've just heard it on YouTube before or whatever, but I, I, I knew the song, nothing else. <laughs> That's so funny. You know what Derek taught me a couple weeks ago, Eric? Uh-huh. The song, the theme song was written by somebody with like a bazillion Academy Award. Was it Academy Award nominations? It was three for, Academy Award. Nom- uh, no, three Academy Award wins and 16 Academy Award nominations. <laughs> I think God. all of them were for best original song. In a yeah. Film. <laughs> so not not like a, you know, an average composer, like a well-decorated composer. <laughs> that's why it's such a bop. That's fantastic. <laughs> well, that's why it's it's in the lexicon of, of Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it, they've even they even put it on like uh on soundtrack albums. Like if you got the the soundtrack mm-hmm. album to the first Spider-Man movie, they have the original theme song on that album and I think they play it at the end of the end credits of that movie too. Yes. Yeah. Now I know. Now I know. I have that CD for for the <laughs> Raimi Spider-Man, right? Yep. 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 That's where yep. I heard it. Now I know. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. I knew yeah. I knew we could uncover this mystery. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's that specific like the actual thing appears in the end credits and on the soundtrack, but almost every movie, not every movie, but almost every movie has done some version mm-hmm. of it or it's appeared in some way, shape yeah. or form. I think like I think maybe one of the amazing movies and maybe one of the Tom Holland movies maybe doesn't have it or something like that, but for the most part it appears in some way, shape or form in every movie, which yeah. is pretty fun. It's awesome. <laughs> Now I know. Well, um, we've said it before, but this series is difficult to watch to an extent because it's not available legally in streaming form and the DVDs are very expensive. But it isn't necessarily hard to find if you know where to look. Cough, Internet Archive, cough. So you can find it and and watch along if if you are so determined to do that. We have been watching them via a set that Derek uh, got. Uh, We're very lucky that he was able to get that. (laughs) Off of eBay. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Yep. (laughs) The episode that we are talking about specifically today is unique so far to this series as we have covered it because the first two episodes that we covered have been split into two segments. This one isn't. This is like a Mm. full-length 20-minute episode, um, which caught me off guard, even though it shouldn't have, because we literally announced what episodes we're going to watch at the end of each episode we record. (laughs) But but for some reason, I wasn't expecting it. So this is one segment, 20 minutes long. This is Spider-Man 1967, Season 1, Episode 3. It's called The Menace of Mysterio, which um, is a title we've already covered in... Which series, Derek? The 90s show <laughs> twice you. because we did it originally. And oh, then yeah. here's, what's, here's also funny. We we did a revisit of that episode because it's such like a fun episode of the 90s show yeah. when AP came on. So <laughs> AP, also from Ranger Command Power Hour, oh covered The Menace of Mysterio. God. And now you came on. Again, completely <laughs> unintentional. This is just how the schedule lined up. And, yeah. then, we were, and then I remember Doug and I were like, wait a second. We, <laughs> we already had a Ranger <laughs> Command person do an episode called The Menace of Mysterio like months ago. So, so if if uh, if the 2017 show or if Ultimate 
has an episode called Menace of Mysterio, we must bring on Zach. That's just how it, it needs to go. <laughs> oh, it, that's how it has to work. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's um, that's funny because I do remember. I was like, wait, didn't they talk about Mysterio with AP? But I didn't know that it was literally the same title. Yeah. That's, yep. that's yeah. ridiculous. It It is a classic title. I mean, the title of this episode and that episode are allusions to the comic right. issue that this episode is very heavily uh, and almost very quite literally faithful to yeah. um almost beat by beat um yeah. <laughs> so so it's uh it's a reference i wouldn't be surprised if we get a third episode with this title yeah yeah the the synopsis per for this episode is uh per me because i'm writing them all now uh mysterio does that mysterio thing we all know and love it's the plot we've seen this plot like 80 billion times we know what he's doing uh, yes. the, the original air date for this episode is september 23rd 1967 Yes. Um, Obviously, we're talking about Mysterio. That's the character highlighted in this episode. Uh, This Mysterio is voiced by Chris Wiggins. Chris Wiggins starred in Friday the 13th, the series, as Jack Marshak, who is basically like one of the main characters, if not the main character of that show. Um, And it's a series that at least a couple folks we know, such as George Buza and Gilly Fenwick, who we just talked about, I think, last week, both Mm. of them appeared in episodes of and of course he voiced characters in rocket robin hood um he was a character named will scarlet and we say of course eric because this show in later seasons will go on to literally use cells and backgrounds and and stuff from that show to fill out this show based on the tiny budget that it had oh okay learn something new every day (laughs) ends up being uh in the dna of the show it's why it ends up getting so weird yeah he also voiced a number of characters in the Marvel superheroes, um, that, that sort of early motion comic we talked about, including mm. Thor and Craven. Uh, he was Abbott Mortimer and Bark John. Bark John? Bark John? I don't know. I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, in characters from Redwall. I feel like people who really like Redwall really like Redwall. So they probably know who that is, uh, and hate that I said his name wrong. Uh, Mr. Coriander in the animated Never Ending Story series, Cornelius and a number of Babar properties. The villain No Heart in the 80s Care Bear cartoon, um, and lots and lots of other things that you sort of associate with that same era of cartoons. Uh, hold up for a second. Mm-hmm. There was an animated never ending story cartoon? There sure was. That is news <laughs> to me. Yeah, what did that? What? How does that? I have a lot of questions about this. <laughs> Okay, I won't be able well, to answer any of them. <laughs> okay, well then I won't ask them because I just don't know. I just, I, I, what is it like? How how do they it's, do that? What, well, it's it's. I mean, I've never seen Never Ending Story, so I don't even know where your question comes oh, from. Oh God, Doug, Doug. So I feel like that question means more than I understand it to mean. Like, how could there be a cartoon? I, I'm assuming that's the spirit of the question. Is like, how could a cartoon exist because this movie does this thing or ends in this way? Is that what I, you're asking? I me? guess I'm like, is it? <laughs> Is it a cartoon that just specifically takes place like within okay. the never ending story or does it have the real world of like Bastion reading it or whatever? Oh, that's my question. I don't know. I just know that the goat dragon thing is in it. I looked at this uh, <laughs> the just The goat now. dragon thing. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen this movie. <laughs> I looked this up on Wikipedia. The never ending story animated series had one season from 1995 to 1996 Uh on HBO and ran for 26 episodes. It is loosely based on the book from 1979. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay, so it's an animated series based 
probably so it's not like a spin-off series from the movie or a continuation of the movie it's based specifically on the book which i didn't even know existed so there's my yeah. familiarity with the never-ending story uh none <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> look i include things i think other people will know about <laughs> yeah not necessarily me <laughs> that's how tintin ended up in these credits <laughs> yeah I'm not going to recommend this exactly because I don't think this is a it's a good installment of it. But the third Neverending Story does there have Jack three? Black in it as a villain. <laughs> Wait, hold on. I didn't even know there was a third. Uh, most I, people I didn't know don't, there was a second. <laughs> most people don't. Neither, well, the second one, neither of them are very good. Right. The second one is like, okay, but it's like. It's weird, but it's like fun because it's weird, even though it's nothing like the first one. The third one is it's a hot mess and it's real bad, but it has Jack Black in it, which is kind of fun. Like, in the in timeline of role. Jack Black's career, when did that movie happen? Like related specifically to his career, it was said ninety four. Yeah, he was real young. Like I think he's playing a teenager in it. Um, oh, weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's young. It was, it was huh. probably one of his first roles. I bet. Interesting. Huh. This is nuts. <laughs> well, um, this is now a never-ending story podcast. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll have to watch that for a commentary uh, without me having ever seen the movie, just to see what that's like. Oh, um, no, just watch the movie. The movie's really good. <laughs> I, I probably won't. But um, also, Chris Wiggins. <laughs> Chris Wiggins also narrated the the original, specifically the original English localization of Sailor Moon. I note that because it's probably the one that most of us were yeah. growing up watching. Yeah, the, the, to... the Deke version. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, so, so that's yeah. how I know Chris Wiggins from all of this. <laughs> it's so funny where you end up knowing people from because it's always like, not always, but it's frequently like one thing out of a list of credits where they might have been known for like other stuff. You're like, oh yeah, the narrator from Sailor Moon, of course. <laughs> 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 also, I want to do a special shout out once again to Peg Dixon. This is going to happen constantly because she's the only woman on the regular voice cast, meaning she pretty much voices every woman in the show. But I want to <laughs> specifically shout her out this episode because she provides the voice of a character named Adelaide. Um, who is a an actor in a saloon movie or a Western movie. Oh, yeah. And I just point that out because she's also the voice of Betty Brant. And so, yeah, Eric, you would have heard both of those characters. Very different voices. And Peg Dixon is just like, I just think she might be the star of the show based she's on the just best. the work she has to do yeah. by voicing pretty much every woman in a different way. <laughs> yeah. And just uh, watching this episode today. Yeah. I wasn't even thinking that they were the same person. Yeah, I looked voices. it up because I assumed, like, I, I I previously assumed, like, oh, Peg Dixon will probably just be every woman. But then when I heard this character, Adelaide, I was like, oh, I should probably double check because that doesn't sound like her. But no, it's her. <laughs> so she's just uh, she's just awesome. Uh, That's epic. Gosh, I guess. And really good. goes on to not really do a ton of voice acting, which is wild based on what we've seen so far. So love Peg Dixon. It was a pro Peg Dixon podcast. <laughs> pro Peg Dixon podcast, absolutely. <laughs> well, um, let's dive into this one. Uh, we're still, if if you're just jumping into the 67 coverage, I guess we won't say this every time, but it's early enough in our coverage of this that I'll say at least one more time. Um, we're doing brief summaries first, and then we're doing a freeform conversation. So a little bit different than what you're used to. So here is this episode. This episode opens with the police arriving at a museum robbery where Spider-Man appears to be the culprit. 
The next day, folks react to the news that Spider-Man has stolen priceless artifacts from a museum. As you'd expect, Jameson is delighted, Betty is in disbelief, and Peter worries he's developed a split personality like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. (laughs) Hyde, uh, which I'll point out is a line directly from the comic that this is inspired Uh, by. I was wondering. Yes. He says almost that exact same thing. Because he gets to that, like, that that is his first thought for what's going on. It's yeah. like, art, a little unhinged. <laughs> well, I mean, that's his, yeah, it's his first thought in the comic, too. Like, it is, this is a, this, this is a very, very, very similar story with, like, very few differences to the, the original, original comic, which is kind of cool because to this point we've seen some episodes inspired by and episodes that have nothing to do with the comic. So this is probably the first one that is just like very very directly like let's turn this issue into a script. Mm-hmm. So some pretty specific stuff coming directly from uh Stanley's words which is pretty Well neat. well when he said the split personality thing part of me and I mean I I don't know why I thought this but part of me was like Oh my gosh, is this like a uh in the inspiration for Venom? But I'm like <laughs> Venom wasn't even a gleam in anyone's <laughs> eye at that point. So somebody so was like reading old comics and watching watching this episode and they're like, "Well, wait a second. What if?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there there is another issue of Spider-Man. I think it's the second one with Mysterio where Mysterio does trick Spider-Man into believing that he is gone crazy. It's a wildly insensitive issue by mm. modern standards but i was wondering if they were going to take this this that issue and this issue and mash them together for this glad they didn't though <laughs> yeah so suited up and determined to find the truth spider-man revisits the museum and is met by the police who of course assumed he would return to the scene so he flees furthering their suspicions and while he continues to evade them traveling through sewers fending off gunfire with a web shield and even getting stuck on a set of train tracks uh, which the police do not help him uh, unstick himself from nope. at all. While he's doing all this, Jameson receives a phone call from Mysterio, who calls himself Mysterio, offering to dispose of Spider-Man for a hefty fee, which you'd think Jameson wouldn't agree to, but his hatred of Spider-Man does trump his love of money, uh, so he agrees to Mysterio's offer. So, Seeing just how capable Spider-Man is as he evades the police, Mysterio worries that maybe he won't get the fee after all because he won't be able to stop Spider-Man. So he does opt to sort of take control of the situation and not chase Spider-Man or wait for the police to get to him, but instead have Spider-Man meet with him. So he arranges a rendezvous atop the Brooklyn Bridge through an open letter as an anonymous source in the Daily Bugle. And sure enough, Spider-Man seeks out the source to investigate, knowing it's a trap, but also knowing that he needs to clear his name. Also unsurprising, the police are standing by and hoping to apprehend Spidey, having seen the letter in the bugle as well. This uh, Brooklyn Bridge thing has been a through line (laughs) in pretty much, well, not every, but almost all of the the iterations of Mysterio we've covered. This goes like way back. Yeah, I was so I was so surprised, but kind of delighted in like. This this whole scene is is done exactly in the '90s show. Mysterio mm-hmm. has like different powers. He has like f- sparklers and like light and, and like fireworks in the '90s show for some reason. But it's other than that, it's it's like the exact same yeah. setup and fight, which is which is so funny. The whole like meet me at the Brooklyn Bridge mm-hmm. after lunch, basically, so I can <laughs> beat you up. 
uh, is a constant. Meet me at high noon. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) The highest noon atop the bridge. Um, So Mysterio meets Spidey on top of the bridge. He introduces himself uh, because Spider-Man had no idea who this was to this point. And the two clash while the police and Jameson look on from below. Spidey shoots Silly String stupendously, of course, but he's unable to land a blow on Mysterio due to Mysterio's arsenal of magnetized boots and Mm. web-dissolving fog. I like the the addition of the magnetized boots because it's like they don't really call it out. But like that's such a like very clear, obvious, you know, clue to Spider-Man and everybody that like, oh, okay, that's how he's impersonating Spider-Man. But they don't really specifically call that out, you know, like it's just almost like subtly put in there that it's like a subtle explanation for how he's impersonating Spider-Man. Yeah, if you want clues, they're like there, you know what I mean? The fact that he can basically stand on the side of the bridge. But even Spider-Man notes that he's like, whoa, those boots, or he makes some comment like that. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. You guys aren't hiding it at this point. He, he also, he calls them magnetized jet shoes, which. Yeah, what? What's the jet part of that exactly? Oh, because he was, he was rocketing around. Oh, so he's doing like a two things. Yeah. It's like how he's flying and how he's sticking to the. the that makes the sense. I think it's funny. I I noticed it because when he's because he's not using the the rocket part when Spider Man points it out. I don't think that he'd rocketed when he said that yet, and then he rockets after the fact. So I guess Spider Man Spider Sense told him that he could. Well, uh, it, shed as it's well. also good to get like another set of eyes on some of this stuff because at this point we've covered. Uh, a bit of this show, we've covered 79's Spider-Woman. Well, that was 79, mm-hmm. right? We've covered yeah. a little bit of the 81 Spider-Man show and the 81 Amazing Friends show. And it's so funny to see what they call technology that either didn't exist yet but does now or that didn't have, like, mainstream terminology. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just heard magnetized jet boots and was like, oh, they're just calling shit weird shit again. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> like, but no, no they literally, literally was jetting is. around. <laughs> That's so funny. So ultimately, Spider-Man feigns defeat because he isn't able to actually hit Mysterio and he falls into the river so he can regroup and confront Mysterio on his own terms. Later, when Mysterio visits the Bugle to demand his money from J. Jonah Jameson, Peter manages to attach a spider tracer to his cape, which leads him straight to Mysterio in the backstage property room of a television studio, basically a prop room, where Spider-Man tricks Mysterio into confessing that he impersonated Spidey in the museum robbery, which, not gonna lie, I kind of forgot had even happened at this point in the episode. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's right. (laughs) He's trying to clear his name, not just stop this guy. When Spider-Man admits to recording the confession, I don't know why you would do that in the first place, the two battle throughout the studio and onto the set of an Old West saloon, uh, where the two beat the ever-living shit out of each other. This is cool, I'll say, because in the comic, it's entirely like a space set and an alien set, which we see like briefly in this episode, but the entire fight kind of takes place there. But I think it's probably a little more than the animators felt comfortable tackling in this episode, given their budget and their constraints. Yeah. So then instead we get this Old West saloon set, which is cool because in Spectacular Spider-Man, they do a fight in like an old saloon as well, which I feel like ends up being a reference to this and the original comic because I think they do both in that Spectacular episode, don't they, Derek? They do a bunch in the spectacular episode, but they're the, the West. Yeah, no, you're right. But the, there's a Western and then, then they have some sci-fi like alien stuff in it too as well. <laughs> so yeah. I just thought that was neat because it feels like uh, given given how knowledgeable we know those spectacular creators are, 
I wouldn't be surprised if the Old West Saloon in that episode was a, a reference to this one. Yeah. I want to believe. Anyway, yeah. they beat each other up. After Mysterio slips in a moment of hubris and admits his identity, kind of, uh, Spidey knocks him out and webs him up. And uh, the episode ends with Jameson receiving the news that Mysterio is a fraud and was impersonating Spider-Man and getting Spider-Man's tape of, well, learning of Spider-Man's tape of Mysterio's confession. Uh, when Jameson doesn't agree to print a retraction and an apology, Spider-Man webs Jameson up to the ceiling and leaves him there to gain, as he says, a new point of view. LOL, Jameson's going to fall later. And Spider-Man doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really think he's going to print you a retraction after you just, like, abused him? Just, and, like, <laughs> terrorized him? Probably not. But, you know, I guess he deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> so this episode. Oh. I need to bring up right off the bat. Yeah. I think it's especially, like, serendipitous that we have Eric on for oh. this one being a Trekkie because apparently... When, yep. when we see Mysterio, uh-huh. he's a Vulcan, I, I guess? I saw the same Dude. thing. I was like, I can't wait to bring this up. <laughs> what? I could, not, I could not believe this. That is in my notes. I'm like, holy crap, Mysterio is a Vulcan, question yeah. mark, Spock? I don't, I don't <laughs> understand. There's so many weird things about Mysterio's out of costume form one yeah he looks like a vulcan he literally has pointy ears for no no reason reason like that's just what he looks like as a not costumed person and i keep saying that because they the only name they call him out of his costume is one guy being like you're the best in the business joe and it's like yeah is that are you are you saying that like dude or or is his name literally (laughs) joe because no one calls him quentin beck in this entire episode right and that that was his name so it's like really wild to me that like he just isn't named like the lizard was named doc ock i think well they might not have called him by name but they still called him dr octopus yeah um it's just wild to me that this guy is both in and out of costume uh, and no one ever calls him Quentin. And e- even even in the confession, it's just like, oh, you're the prop guy. Yeah. That's all it is. It's like, wait, what? But no, as soon as I saw this guy, he's got the bowl shape haircut like Spock. The that ears too. like Spock. Granted, his haircut is a little bit party in the back, if you know what I mean. But... Um, <laughs> It was crazy to me because at this point, the Star Trek animated series wasn't even a thing. That happens in the 70s. And this episode did air in, what, 67? Mm-hmm. So Star Trek had already been on for less than a year or a year when this episode came out. So I have to think that someone saw Star Trek and Spock and said, oh, I'm just going to make him have pointy ears like Spock. It looks too close. Yeah. It's weird, too, because I don't think that's like, I, I don't think that's like an established Quentin Beck thing either. Like, I think you might be right, Eric. I think they were just like, this is neat. <laughs> yeah, we just, and it's it's so weird to me. And I thought you guys had planned to have me on because of this. No. No, <laughs> no that was an accident. No. There's so many, like, delightful coincidences about having you here for this episode. But yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I had to pause and rewind just to be like, what is the reason for us? And no, that is that dude's ears. 
And it's yeah. not explained. Like, I'm like, are you trying to do a hobgoblin thing with this guy? I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. No one comments on it. And it's like, at first, my assumption was like, oh, I guess they're going to show him like, he's getting ready to be a, I don't know, be a stuntman on a movie set or something like that. So he's that's just his costume in an alien movie. But like, no, we just see him just hanging out in his point with his pointy ears, calling yeah. people on the phone, ca- taking his Mysterio costume off. Like it's just, I, the fact that it is thoroughly uncommented on right. is what's mind boggling <laughs> to me. It really is. I just double checked too. Not a thing. Quentin Beck, early appearances, no pointy ears. <laughs> so, so weird it's so weird so strange so so strange <laughs> quentin beck vulcan confirmed <laughs> yeah apparently hello amazing friends we just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular enough patrons Bo, eric steve carl katie Mike and Lillian. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film, from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Speaking of like the design of a Mysterio, obviously super classic look. It's the most basic version of the suit that we know. But one of the coolest effects for me is the vertical audio <laughs> waveform when he talks. And as a podcaster, Doug, I'm sure you'll agree with me. That was pretty cool to see. Well, this has it. been a hot topic on our show. I, I definitely can appreciate the fact that for this, they opted to use a waveform. But we've seen, we, so we've seen maybe like at this point, oh my gosh, like maybe four or five different uh, versions of animated Mysterio. And almost all of them, Eric, try to do something that adds a face or a mouth or something yeah. to the fishbowl, mm-hmm. um, where generally I don't even think there needs to be one, right? Like typically yeah. if it's up to me, just like leave it a fishbowl. But I think like a lot of, especially the like lower budget shows feel compelled to have something there because then there's no face. And unlike Spider-Man, you can't like move the webs around his mouth. So they always do something. Sometimes it's like implication of eyes or it's like a cloud or like a starburst or something. Mm -hmm. I will say if it's going to be in there, I can definitely appreciate a waveform. But uh, I don't know. Like, I don't know why they feel the need to do this. (laughs) Just just let him have no face. It makes him creepy. (laughs) It's not necessary. But out of out of all of them, I like this edition the most. It's my favorite of the editions. Yeah, because it's really clever, you know. It's, it's cool. a different it's a different sort of like approach to it as opposed to just like 
let's give him eyes where there are no eyes. Because I think the thing that's cool about this, especially, is like you said, Eric, it's like a vertical waveform. So on t- like even though it's a familiar thing, mm-hmm. it's in an orientation you don't expect. So it still ends up being sort of like weird and alien and kind of creepy. Because you're like, that's not the way that's supposed to go. You know what I mean? <laughs> Um, so it does, it, it's at least unsettling in the way that I think Mysterio is supposed to be, mm-hmm. um, that adding like eyes or a starburst in there doesn't, doesn't evoke the same sort of like awkward sort of uncomfortableness as this weird vertical waveform. Yeah. <laughs> but it was cool when I realized that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I like about Mysterio is that when you do see his dressing room, he has like poster of his Spider-Man in it. And I'm sure the in- the intention is that like, oh, that's because he's making a mock-up of Spider-Man's costume to impersonate him. But like the way that it is, it just looks like he just has like fan posters of Spider-Man <laughs> in his dressing room, which I also kind of love. <laughs> I could see that. He's specifically, they, they call him specifically a stuntman in this show as opposed to like a like a generally special effects guy, you know? Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you admire Spider-Man? You know, he's like the ultimate stuntman. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I I, I wanted to note, and I forgot if this was Mysterio when it happened or Spider-Man when I I think it was Spider-Man because he said, Oh, my spider sense is tingling. And the cop is like right there with the gun a split second later. I'm like, you could have just looked over, dude. Like, what? your spider sense sucks. Dude, spider senses in these older shows. Oh my gosh. Really, every show has. Honestly, a, has, any show. Yeah. yeah. This show especially is funny because it is really inconsistent. Sometimes it's like OP where it's like a psychic, like a psychic power. Like my spider sense tells me the villain is somewhere in this room. But then there's times when it's like a spider sense doesn't go off when he's about to like get stuck in train tracks and hit by a train. Mm -hmm. Like that's not helpful, dude. Yeah. It's so weird. I like in an earlier episode, I like that he described it as a chill. I've never thought of it as a chill. But I sort of like that. I was like, oh, interesting. <laughs> like the hair goes up on the back of your neck. Almost like uh, like the MCU when they didn't really want to acknowledge oh. it, but then had to acknowledge it because everyone was like, what the heck? So it's just like yeah. his hair goes up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Spider-Sense, it's one of those things where like you want to think about it, but then the more you think about it, the more you're like, I shouldn't think about this at all. <laughs> like, just yeah. gonna, it's going to shut my brain down. <laughs> It's utterly reality breaking the more you think about it. Oh my God, for real. You know what? I love that scene because it's just like, it's it's a type of thing you'd never see in a cartoon now where there's just like somebody pointing a gun straight at like Spider-Man's face. You're like, oh my gosh. Like, I, yeah, that that that's a thing they used to be able to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it lets them do cool stuff on this like, like him creating a web shield and just like scaling a building with a web shield. I thought that was so cool. So I don't feel like uh-huh. I ever see that. Yeah. They're straight up trying to murder that man. My God, yeah. the, the amount of bullets they were <laughs> shooting <laughs> Spider-Man with. And I, yeah. I loved the web shield that stuck out to me too. But the fact that he's like crawling backwards on the wall and angling the shield down. He did so much stuff with his webs in this episode. I was Mm -hmm. amazed. He made like a zip line, all all kinds of things. He did like that sort of um, almost like shot putty kind of thing, like that big ball that he ends up trying to throw at Mysterio. That was fun too. Yeah. Like a throwing mace. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, and also like on the topic of him kind of scaling the the building backwards and everything, like it's a really it's a really well animated sequence, I think. And there's a lot of those in this episode. Like I, I you know, for, mm-hmm. for grading it on the curve of this show, which they were on a low budget, it's 67 animation, so it's not always like amazing. But I think so far this is like the one of the the most like consistently uh, like animated episodes of the show that mm-hmm. we watched of the three that we watched. Because there's a lot of really cool, like, stuff that they do and really cool angles that they get, too. Like, bits, like, what, you know, especially, like, at the beginning of the episode with the fake Spider-Man. Like, there's a point when he's, like, on the top of the building and you sort of get into this really cool tilted angle from above all of them with seeing him on the building and all the cops on the bottom on the street as well. And, like, there's a lot more detail than the show normally has as well in in all of the the shots. Yeah. It's like this just was their top tier one for some reason, which I'm fine with because I think it's a good episode you know for what it's worth i i think this episode probably gives us a nice peek into a, a bit of the future of this series because it's the first time we're seeing obvious recycled stuff but at the same time you get these really awesome scenes that obviously can't be recycled like they're they're never going to use that saloon stuff again they're never going to use some of that museum stuff again. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's really cool because you end up seeing sort of like two sides of the show in the really detailed creative stuff and the stuff that we'll end up becoming very familiar with in the sort of like budgeted aspect of it. I'm, I'm sure they would use the sewer backgrounds again. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see that again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love everything about that saloon scene. I love it so much. I love the way the characters look. I love that it's a saloon. I love that it's like an active set, which is the most Mysterio thing ever. (laughs) I I just, I love it. I love that there's like the, the sort of like cranky director for whom nothing goes right. Cause that's, that's such a staple in like early Spider-Man stories is there's always (laughs) some cranky director. I don't know why, but there just is. <laughs> so I love that we got one of those. The actors sound like they're having so much fun, too. Like, <laughs> they really Every do. line they have, it sounds like they're like, oh, cool, we get to be in a Western movie, and they just crank yeah. it up to 11. It's great. I think the animators felt the same way, because the characters in those in that scene, the ones that they focus on, look great. Yeah. Oh, it was like the most detailed <laughs> characters yes. in here. And yeah. uh-huh. I was like, am I watching a different show? What's happening? <laughs> yeah. It's like they wanted to pitch like like we what we really want to do is we want to do a western cartoon. We want to do like Gunsmoke the animated series or something. Yeah. And so we're going to pitch that <laughs> right in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, it's so fun. And I love, like you mentioned, Peg Dixon earlier, who's just like the MVP of this whole show. But I, lo- yeah. I love it when Mysterio and Spider-Man's fighting and I can't imitate her line delivery, but she's just like, oh, no, not that. Like when they're just fighting, it's like, I don't, and I don't even really like get it. Like, I don't understand why that's the line or the delivery, but it works. It's yeah. so over the top and good. Can we talk about how much Peter Parker is an ass to Betty in this episode? <laughs> oh, boy. Oh my god. Because the way that they do it, like, he's he's going to the office to see her. He's like, oh, oh, hey, Betty, how's it going? And the way that they even animate it, where it's oh like she's god. talking at 100 miles an hour, and he's like, okay, whatever, I got this problem. And it's like, but you didn't even listen to her. And it's like, it sounded like, I don't know, it's the 60s freaking male chauvinism and all that but they're like haha woman talking and it's just yes it was terrible 
It's a joke for no reason. It doesn't fit into Betty's character as we've seen her leading up to this either. Like, that's not her personality. That's yeah. It literally was just like, let's have a joke about how women just love to talk and it's so annoying. Why don't they just leave us alone? Yeah, Out of the nowhere. joke is literally, don't women talk about dumb shit that no one cares about? <laughs> like, that's the entirety of it's the point of that scene. So- he asked her how her, how her day yeah, was. Yeah. And, she's and she was trying question. to tell him she was having a bad morning. <laughs> like, she was trying to say, like, it's been I, rough. I'm sorry, I... <laughs> I wanted to hear why her pill bottle like fell off the thing. And I couldn't because Peter's an ass in this scene. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. They literally like fade her voice out as she's talking. Yeah. Yeah. It's the worst. It's the worst. Yeah. It's, It's bad. The only thing I like about it is that Peg Dixon's delivery is, like, really good. Like, they told her to talk oh, yeah. real fast, and she nails it. <laughs> she always knows the assignment and gets an A+. Like, she always knows exactly what she's supposed to be doing. That is becoming abundantly clear. It's great. Yeah. It's so great. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's wild, too, because, you know, Peter Parker obviously is a massive conversation on a show about Spider-Man. But frequently, the conversation is like... Man, Peter Parker really knows how to, like, fuck a social situation up, doesn't he, you know? I wasn't expecting that from this show this early. I really wasn't. Oh, here you go. And this feels so out of character, even for him, because normally it's like, it's it's usually like Peter... Well, I guess this is maybe, maybe this isn't character, because I was about to say it's usually like Peter doesn't give a shit about people's feelings. Um, and that's exactly what this is. That's literally what this is. So um, I guess it is sort of <laughs> core Peter Parker, isn't it? Oh, Peter... <laughs> Uh, I just wasn't wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> yeah, but like I can I can like as much as I will rag on 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 P- Peter Parker when he sucks. If it's just him not knowing how to deal with girls because he just lives yeah. in like a sexist, chauvinistic, misogynistic world, I can like get that because because it's usually like a girl trouble thing, right? Where it's like, why won't they date me? I should be entitled to women. Like it sucks and I hate it, but like it almost makes sense for like a nineteen year old. This just doesn't yes, that's make the any right goddamn there. sense. This is just rude. Exactly. Yeah. That's the difference. I think you did nail it right there, Derek. Because like. Yes, it is. It is Peter not necessarily caring about people's feelings, but this isn't in the context of how do I (laughs) I hate that this is what came into my mind, but I'm going to say it because it's what I was thinking. It's normally like, how do I get my dick wet? Um, And I don't give a fuck about anybody in the process. Right. This isn't even that. You're right, Eric. This is literally him just being rude. After asking somebody how their day is (laughs) for no reason. If you ask someone how their day is. Prepare for like a one to two minute response at, at least. Don't just be, well, uh, the morning started out great. I don't care. Here's my thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Weird, weird shit, Peter. Poor Betty. He's been mostly pleasant on this show so far, though, I will say. Because he hasn't been dating anybody and we don't see him flirting with women ever. So we have, he hasn't had a chance to be shitty yet. True. True. <laughs> this is how he flirts, okay? Right, so. <laughs> wow. So remember. When in the beginning of this episode, when Mysterio is trying to talk with J. Jonah Jameson and be like, oh, yeah, you need to pay me this money. And Jonah's like, that's preposterous. Okay, I'll pay it anyway. And then later in the episode, when when Mysterio is in the office and Jameson's just waving around a hundred dollar bill and I'm like, Wait, all of this is over like a hundred or two hundred <laughs> bucks? What? 
Yeah. Yeah. Even in, even in 67 money, that wasn't much. <laughs> you've, you've pretty much put a hit out on a person and yeah. all you want is a hundred bucks. <laughs> but that's, is that not the most Mysterio thing though? Like Mysterio could have a, a really like thriving career in cinema, but instead he's like, I just want to kill Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather throw everything I've worked towards away to kill Spider-Man. Thank you. <laughs> and I also love that JJ, like, he's like, I'll pay you half up front. And he rips the dollar oh in my half. Oh, God. <laughs> that hurt. Why did he do so that? Mad. So stupid. So <laughs> and then oh. Mysterio just takes it. He just takes the half. The absurdity half of that happening, but like that happening in the context of Mysterio just chilling out yeah. in Jameson's office in the Daily Bugle in his full Mysterio garb. Like he just what he just strolled. He didn't make even make a big entrance into the office. He just strolled up like he's having a casual business meeting with the editor of a newspaper <laughs> in what? his Mysterio outfit, his giant fishbowl head and cape. Here's my question: Why didn't he start the episode that? way why didn't what like why did he call jameson first like it's baffling to me because one mysterio is all about the show but then even two just like source material wise like he makes a big show of showing up in the daily bugle and in this he literally calls jameson twice before ever showing up like what why (laughs) it's so weird to me (laughs) because then they can reuse the the stock footage of jameson on the phone um true (laughs) this episode is 20 minutes but it felt like 40 (laughs) oh no (laughs) and i'm not saying that like as a completely bad thing but they crammed a a lot is happening in this 22 minutes they love they love when it comes to mysterio to have them clash so many times over the course of an episode They love to have, like, four climaxes to every Mysterio story. Uh, It's wild. (laughs) Yeah, it is funny how much of, like, this episode we have seen in multiple other shows with Mysterio. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, and it's not even like it's a tried and true formula because they're always kind of messy episodes, you know? It's, It's so baffling. But one thing I think is becoming a pattern which we'll have to, well, you know, hopefully it doesn't become too much of a pattern, but naturally we're going to be watching for it. This show in particular loves to do the three swings and then you hit it on the third swing, you know? Like, I feel like Spider-Man almost always gets two strikes before he very quickly wraps up the the villain. We've seen it a couple times already, Mm -hmm. and I think that happens a little bit here too, where it's like, we're going to fight and then I'm going to lose and then we're going to fight and then I'm going to lose. But this third time... I got you, buddy. And it's usually pretty quick. This episode, luckily, by the grace of being like a full 20 minutes, their last fight is like actually a fight. It's one of the reasons I like the saloon scene so much is they actually uh, fight as opposed to just like, oh, that's right. I can shoot my web at someone's face. Yeah, they brawl. It's good. They really do. Yeah, definitely an improvement over over the other ones that do that. But I do think that's going to be a pattern is like the two strikes before you hit the home run thing. I like how this is just a, a quick thing. I like how multiple characters call Spider-Man Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Jameson and Spider-Man. Jameson Spider-Man. That's Jameson. all. I think it's cute. <laughs> it, it just sounds like one of those uh I don't know, kind of like a 60s way of of saying last names. It's like, "Oh, Spider-Man. Get in here." Hey, Spider-Man. <laughs> hey, Spider-Man. Get over here with yeah, the Spider-Man. Business. Spider-Man. Jameson Spider-Man. I love it. <laughs> 
I wonder if this show is ever going to call Jameson Jameson or if it's going to be Jameson the whole time. I we should know. take bets. What do you do, do? Do we have different thoughts? I don't think it's going to change. I think they're going to call oh, Jameson to the very I end. think it'll change. I think at some point it'll change. Interesting. I I kind of uh, <laughs> side with Doug on this. I think maybe they're just. Uh, <laughs> They forgot the I in the script in the first few scripts, and it'll get better over time. <laughs> At some point, Stanley is going to call him on the phone and be like, "What are you doing? <laughs> it's Jameson. What are you doing? It's not Spiderman. It's Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man. It's Spiderman." <laughs> Another cool thing, like we we talked a little bit about uh, Spider-Man and all of his different types of webs in this mm-hmm. episode, which I feel. If you're going to watch 67 animated episode, let this be the one. This is Pat with a lot of Spider-Man stuff. I want to talk about his cool gas mask. That's a version (laughs) of Spider-Man I've never seen is the Spider-Man gas mask version. It looked like something I'm playing Mass Effect 1. And well, I got to Mass Effect 2 and there's in Mass Effect 2, you can get like this recon hood that looks Mm -hmm. exactly like this and derek will probably know what i'm talking about yeah it totally does yeah it's real cool looking it's a cool looking gas mask yeah that's so funny because when i first saw it i was like that's a damn star lord mask (laughs) (laughs) oh it totally is is. but i don't even think star lord existed yet did he (laughs) no i'm not sure he's a 70s i think he's a product of the 70s yeah but yeah it is a cool mask it's funny too that they you know in some of the shorter segments They'll have Spider-Man, like, stop at home and, like, uh, re-equip himself. Mm. This just kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, he doesn't go home to, like, make this mask. So it definitely, like, caught me off guard. But it does look very cool (laughs) before it dissolves off of his face. (laughs) I I don't know where he pulled that out of, but... Uh, it almost gave me like a almost like a a sixties Batman utility belt type of situation. Well, yeah. depending on the iteration of Spider Man, Spider Man does hide a utility belt under his uh, his suit. Oh, there you, you know? go. Mm-hmm. It's where he keeps his little like uh, spider signal thing that he flashes <laughs> at enemies. <laughs> that isn't the bat signal at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Although, with that, I'll say I didn't I didn't really think about this before, but I am kind of surprised by how much technology spider-man uses in this show obviously it's obviously they're like 60s style gadgets but like that he uses spider tracers so frequently like this is this is all this is already the second time that he's uses spider tracers have been instrumental in the plot that you know he uses like his uh what does they call it like his his like portable pocket tape recorder thing with the giant antenna like (laughs) it's so 60s you know but it's also like that's still stuff that like it wasn't that common you know not everyone had a pocket tape recorder at the time so the fact that he has has it is a big deal like it's just kind of cool that to see him using gadgets and stuff like i wasn't expecting that for this show yeah i think to this point having seen spider-man versus five different villains like i think he's modified his web twice i think he's added to his suit at least once he's been seen in a lab like multiple times whether it's his own or somebody else's yeah the multiple different forms of technology i have a question what is a telephoto what, telecamera a telephoto I, camera i was just what the fuck gonna, was that i was just gonna say he's like oh my special telephoto camera and i'm like why uh, what makes mean- it tele 
<laughs> Did he mean like telescopic? He meant like, telescopic. Like a telescopic lens? Yeah. Okay. Oh. That makes sense. Yeah. I guess that's okay. to get the super far away shots of Spider-Man. Wink, wink. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Telephonic. See, telephotic. again, that's a perfect example of me being like, this show just says shit sometimes that I just don't even give it credit. It like couldn't be rooted in reality, but that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Actually like an actual telescopic lens on a camera, that lens is like one to two, like, like one foot they're long like the huge type ones, of lens. Right? Like they're super long <laughs> lenses. And, and he's just like, Oh, my special <laughs> telescopic lens. And you're like, what are you even talking about? <laughs> That's what makes it special. <laughs> so funny all all of that said i think it does it it is kind of changing my mind a little bit on like future spider-man stuff where sometimes i'm like a little bit off put like they're making him use like gadgets a little too much like he's a little too iron man or batman now but it's like no he was using tons of gadgets Mm -hmm. back in 1967 i can't complain about that he's always been a gadget guy Honestly, Derek, like reading the comics is doing the same thing. I'm having like a very similar experience that that you are like watching the show and seeing some of these gadgets is like, like, oh, shit, I guess he's like kind of always been like a technology based hero. Like, <laughs> like I, I just never really thought of him as one because it's not like yeah. a full blown tech suit or anything. But yeah, he really does use a lot of gadgets. I don't think it was ever really a problem for me just because I always you know, had that understanding that for the most part, Peter formulated his spider web and he usually Mm -hmm. creates his web shooters. And so like, I always just assumed that he was like a techie guy. I mean, he, he's not on like Tony Stark level or anything, but you know, for a 1920 year old, this is pretty amazing Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, I think a big part of it for me came from the fact that in the in the 90s cartoon and the Raimi's movies, which were all my formative Spider-Man stuff, yeah. a lot of the techno- like technological stuff is super downplayed. And I don't just oh, mean yeah. like the organic webbing or anything. I mean like the actual like gadgetry is at a pretty pretty minimum when you look at Spider-Man across the board. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like growing up as a kid always more associated him with like the stereotypical like lab scientist as opposed yeah. to like an engineer, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. but he really is. He really has like strong, like engineer vibes. Um, yeah. And a lot of Spider-Man media. That's why I appreciate more of the MCU Spider-Man because they really lean that into him being like this techie nerd, almost like, um, what do they call it? Like the maker space or, you know, mm-hmm. that, that kind of a thing where yeah. he's like a tinkerer and, you know, maybe he's got like a 3D printer or something, but yeah. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, like I think MCU <laughs> Peter Parker really gives more of that techie vibe. I think they got there. I, 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 I won't lie. Like I was a little worried about it after the first movie, but I think the second one really sort of like mm-hmm. got him to a place where it was like, okay, like he is going to exhibit these traits all on his own. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I feel more comfortable with it now than I did the the, the first time. I agree. Yeah, I think the I think the problem I think the thing that was off putting about it at first was that it's like is it just going to be Tony Stark just giving him everything? Right. But like no, the whole point of the last movie was him sort of working for it. So I, yeah, I agree yeah. with you. I think they got there, and I'm a lot more comfortable with it now. Like I think that as a Spider-Man in 2021, it makes sense that he would be like totally. a techie kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it lines up with some of the like cartoon port- like recent cartoon portrayals too. Yeah, um, the sort of like revived like like you said, tinkerer sort of Peter Parker. In the 60s version, at least from this episode, 
I didn't see much of Peter Parker other than getting out of bed and at the office. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, him whipping these gadgets out, it's like, wow, I mean, he, he really has to create all this stuff. It is interesting. There's like, there's sort of a scientific pendulum that swings mm-hmm. um, when you think about it. Because yeah, you have you have him creating all of these gadgets and these tracers and this radio thing that presumably he made. He's not a wealthy kid, so he probably, you know, modified his own camera pieced it together all this sort of stuff and then when you get to the 90s internal millennium stuff it's all about like neogenics and the genetics of it all and the like chemistry and all this like weird science and then it sort of swings back into the gadgetry and it'll be interesting to see if maybe there were some swings along the way presumably there are because i'm guessing that you know with the clone saga and all that sort of stuff (laughs) i'm guessing there's some swings between that and the turn of the millennium stuff, but I don't know. We'll we'll see. I don't know. Maybe this maybe it is one giant swing and not a bunch of little swings, but I can't wait to find out. Oh, there was one too many times in this episode, and I, I see it in, in kind of the, the show note pictures here. There are a couple times where I'm like, wait, is just is Jameson Mysterio? Because they <laughs> say, are they using the same voice actor? Because the laughs just match perfectly in a couple scenes here yeah there's a thing that this episode almost does which is make a commentary on jameson and i guess it kind of does it but it like it treads very close to this like who's the real villain here Mm -hmm. but they don't really explore it all that much in the way that like a cartoon in the 90s or beyond would you know yeah. And they do it they tread so closely that we can jump ahead ahead to one of these faces of the episode cuz it illustrates the point. They they do a literal transition from Mysterio laughing to Jameson laughing in almost the exact same position where one fades into the other like an animal. It's like brilliant. It's very cool, but it's yeah. also confusing yeah. cuz like you said like wait, what are they trying to tell us here? <laughs> Yeah, it's that's one of those things where I wonder I I know that they were under a lot of constraints like budgetarily and I'm sure time constraints too. where I I imagine that like a lot of their scripts don't have like multiple passes on them. Like I feel like a lot of it was like wrote it, maybe one one rewrite and it's done. And I feel like that's the kind of thing where like if they were rewriting it and going over it, like someone would have been like, there's something kind of interesting there. Like what if we actually call out this this connection between like who's the real villain here or whatever kind of thing like it still mm-hmm. would have been really simple and i think that the show could have pulled it off um i just don't think that they think through they, they have time to think through it enough well that's one of the things it. that's so fascinating about this this particular episode being a full 20 minutes is because i get the impression that maybe there weren't multiple rights of it but there was stuff cut out of it because there's a right immediately following the scene that we talked about where Spider-Man's spider sense goes off to let him know of the police officer two feet away. Right after that scene, it cuts to a scene with Mysterio saying a line that has nothing to do with literally anything that happened. Like, I could not figure out what he was talking about. I didn't write down the line because it was so confusing, but I, I tried multiple times to be like, what is he referring to? Like, was that actually him or was it was it not? Like, I don't. it was the first time we saw him in costume. He says mm. something and I have no idea what he was referring to. <laughs> huh. So I think yeah. there might, fascinatingly, I think even with it being a 20 minute episode, I think they might've even cut stuff out, which is wild. Like what I, I would, I want to know so much more about this episode. Like why this episode, why this story, yeah. 
like what what was what else was there you know how did this episode get to be this episode and like the first episode was 11 minutes of doc ock barely being doc ock you know what i mean right i I, i'm always curious about it like if i could do like a seance and talk to some of the writers oh my gosh right i would that that is one of the pointed questions it's sort of like how do you did you did you decide ahead of time when starting the script that you knew this was going to be enough story for a full episode or was it a thing where you just wrote a draft and we're like we can't do this in 11 minutes because we have so much stuff that we want to do with it and in which case it's like why does that happen for this episode with mysterio and not yeah. Like the Doc Ock episode or the Lizard episode that also yeah. was kind of close to the comics, but also so super trimmed down to fit into 11 minutes in a way that they stripped out important stuff. Like it's it's really it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because if it was like every time we want to take a comic issue and adapt it into a script, that was 20 minutes. That would kind of make sense. Right. Because then you have this this sort of mixture of like small segments that feature characters or feature villains and then Mm -hmm. like longer quote event episodes that are direct adaptations of comic stories. But that isn't the case. Like you said, the lizard is a good example where it was like kind of an adaptation shrunk down a a whole lot into 11 minutes. And they could have done more with that. Like Eric in the lizard episode, Dr. Connors has two arms. He doesn't have one arm. He has two arms. Wait, what? He just, yeah, they have a lizard origin story episode and he has all of his limbs the whole time. <laughs> it's so it, it's baffling. Uh, okay. Yeah, it makes it and it makes it make less sense because he's like, I'm going to cure swamp fever and test it on myself for some reason. Like, it makes sense when he wants to regrow his arm back. But like, right. He doesn't have swamp fever. So why are you testing it on yourself, dude? <laughs> yeah, it has nothing to do with like lizards abilities. It has nothing to do with limbs at all. It's literally just I created a cure that does completely a different thing. <laughs> that, okay, I need to it's watch very that. Weird. That is wild. <laughs> <laughs> it's very weird. It doesn't yeah. I mean like it's it's wild because the episode starts as if it's going to be ripped straight from the comic and then he has two arms. <laughs> yeah. And it's like nothing it's not improved by taking that stuff out. No. They didn't they and they didn't just change it, you know, they didn't replace it. They just took out the stuff that made it interesting. Yeah. And that's so it. So weird. it ends up being kind of boring. Yeah. Very weird. So I I mean I I it's making me really look forward to this series in a very specific way because it is so literally close in time to its source material Mm -hmm. because like again like spider-man's existed for like four years at this point these are all like basically origin stories these are all based on the first three appearances of these villains it's fascinating to see like which villains are they going to write new stories for wouldn't have expected doc ock to be one of them which stories are they going to be really faithful to wouldn't have expected mysterio to be one of them mm-hmm. you know what i mean so mm-hmm. yeah. it's interesting to see what what choices they're going to make along the way cuz we've gotten a little bit of everything at this point we've gotten stories that are not at all in the comics even a little like there was one all about plutonians like from the planet pluto what no. what <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, so weird yeah very weird yeah. show and we're not even at the weird part yet like no this, this isn't pretty... even the like rocket robin hood stuff <laughs> yeah yeah i love it i love it yeah i just have a couple of other things sure. i just have to point out my favorite line in the whole episode when spider-man is under the bridge and then you know is gonna fake his death basically by swimming he says right now i think i'll go for a nice long swim underwater <laughs> as opposed to where where else would you swim that's like so he weird. he says it like it's like a laugh line like, or like a quip. 
I what I do you? Know. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, as opposed to like a breaststroke, maybe. <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. A I front crawl. So. I guess so. Oh man. I also you briefly mentioned this, but I think I kind of want to just clip it and like post it on social media because when when Mysterio is called Joe by that one dude, like. First of all, his line delivery, like the sound quality is bizarre. The guy sounds like he's drunk. He's like, this is the best summer business, Joe. And then his, his character model just like slides off the screen. Like he yes. doesn't walk. It's great. It's just a perfect, a perfect clip. He's hovering. He's using his jet boots. <laughs> sure. <laughs> What is this show, you guys? What is this Fantastic. Show? It's it's much more delightful than I expected. I'm not gonna lie, like I obviously was excited to watch it simply because it was the first, but there was a part of me that was like, I'm not gonna like this. Like I'm I'm gonna appreciate it, but I'm not gonna like it. Yeah. But I like it. <laughs> I'm enjoying it in a way I wasn't expecting. Uh because yeah. of its weirdness, because of its it, it it isn't affected by anything else. It's it's affected by so little, and its influences are so different than I would have expected, based on who its creators are and and all this you know all these other weird factors. You know, like yeah. it doesn't feel like it's a show that's boxed into very much, uh, which is strange. It's not the first superhero cartoon. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there are other things that have existed, but for some reason this feels like more free form uh if that makes any sort of sense than i would have ever expected it to be i expected way more formulaic stuff yeah it's not like responding to anything it's just like a a weird cartoon (laughs) sandbox that happens to have spider-man in it yeah i love it i love it well this this first face of the episode actually sort of reflects a little bit of of that i think because this is this is sleepy peter (laughs) waking up and listening (laughs) to the radio bulletin. And, you know, we've said that this show doesn't really have models to be on or off model from like, there are obviously certain things that you can expect. Like Peter Parker in the daily bugle almost always looks like a Romita Peter Parker. Like that's Mm -hmm. pretty, pretty consistent. But even then, like there's still some wild variations. And anytime they take him out of that very specific yellow vest, blue jacket situation, I mean, you could get anything. And I feel like, this is one of those examples where he's waking up, his hair is messy. He could be a completely different character. And it looks yeah. like a character more from a Disney property yep. than it does a superhero property uh, or a conventional superhero property. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it just, I feel like it really illustrates that in the way that his hair looks, the way that his face moves, the way that his body even moves. Like he wakes up and stretches and just sort of like stares at the sky while he listens to the radio. Like it's all. Yeah, it's just it's a weird sandbox, like you said, Derek. Like any, yeah. you, you just never know what sequence you're going to get next. Yeah, there's real Disney Prince vibes. I also some of his movies there really even, are serious yes. Disney Prince vibes in this episode. Right? Yeah, that's like that's Prince Charming right there. Yeah, I'm gonna grab another. I can think of another one. I'm gonna grab it just for social media because I I thought the same thing and I thought maybe I was I was like over interpreting it, but I'm so glad you said that. It's very Disney Prince. Yeah. Some of the movement in this scene I noticed too, but but I think throughout this show occasionally like all, gives me like a little, like Scooby-Doo vibes as well sometimes. The way the characters move and and run as well a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it just feels like it's more related to shows that aren't superhero properties than it is related to shows that are superhero properties. And I just find that fascinating about it. Yeah. Definitely. We already mentioned this, the transition from Mysterio to Jameson. I mean, it's fascinating. It has fascinating implications, but it's also just a really cool fucking transition. Yeah. It matches up almost perfectly. Yeah. J- 
Jameson's head fits exactly where Mysterio's like silhouette of a head is. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. If this were, if this episode were a mystery about Mysterio, this would have been a very important transition. <laughs> yeah. And then we kind of alluded to this as well, but uh damn, look at all the detail in these saloon actors. <laughs> so good. Even the saloon scene. Mhm. Yeah, there's so much detail, even just like sight gags and like word gags, like the no credit sign, the beer barrel, um, just the characters in general in there. Like, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff in that set. Also, without seeing Adelaide's dress, could this character not exist in like a 1980s music video? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Does this not look like something Madonna might have worn? Oh, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> Fingerless gloves, the big hair. Oh, I yeah. love it. That's so true. <laughs> the painted on mole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Overall, I really like this episode. I thought it was a delight. It it definitely is the, of the ones that we've watched so far, which granted we watched three episodes, but of the ones that we watched, it feels the most so far like an episode of a Spider-Man cartoon, which is saying a lot because it's still bananas and weird, yeah. but it's yeah, it, it definitely did feel like it was an adaptation of a comic book story more than anything, even though a very particularly stripped down cartoony version of it. Yeah. So what do you think of this show based on one episode, Eric? <laughs> one probably uncharacteristic <laughs> episode. <laughs> well, I'm definitely interested in watching more. And if you need me back again to talk about this, I'm totally down for it. Noted. Because nice. I thought this... I mean, it's from the 60s. This episode felt like an acid trip at times. Um, oh, boy. Even though I, you only got a taste of the acid trip. <laughs> yeah, even though I don't know what, what an acid trip would be like. Um, no, it was it was very... Um, it, it, was, it was kind of all over the place, but it felt like that kind of kooky 60s fun vibe to it. It, it just... Mm -hmm. It felt campy and... You know, any superhero thing from the 60s or 70s feels super camp, and this was no exception. I'm always a fan of camp because sometimes we all need a little camp in our lives. And Agreed. Uh, I, I think this was a lot of fun. Very pro-camp. That's probably why I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. Mm -hmm. It's 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 a lot more intentionally campy than I I expected it to be. I thought it to be, I, I expected it to be for no reason. I just expected it to be a much blander, mm -hmm. straightforward adaptation of things. And it's, it's definitely not. So that's why I was so surprised. You even told me you're like, Oh, just brace yourself for two 11 minute episodes. And I'm I watching, <laughs> I'm watching this. I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm getting to the halfway mark. And I'm like, they haven't really wrapped this up. Like, is, am I missing something here? Am I watching oh, no. the right one? You know what's sad, though? I did the same thing, and I should have known better. Like, I literally think I might have even been the one who read yeah. the, the outro for last week. Like, I should have known this was a full 20-minute <laughs> episode. And not only did I not realize it, I lied to you uh, unintentionally and said that it was two episodes. I was, like, I was just prepared. <laughs> I was just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was like, oh, yeah. what's, what's happening? I, yep. So I just rolled with it. Yeah, so I know. Funny. I got like, what, 13 minutes in and was like, wait a second. <laughs> this should be done already. <laughs> so funny. Good stuff. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining us uh, to talk about this episode. Yeah. Yeah. If people want to find 
you and things you're working on, where can they do that? Absolutely. You can check out my social media on Instagram and mainly Twitter. I'm at TrekkieB47. I'm also on Twitch streaming uh, when I can at twitch.tv slash trekkieb47. And then you can check out my Power Rangers podcast also on the Four Eyed Radio Network uh, called Ranger Command Power Hour. We're on Twitter at Ranger Command PH and Instagram and Facebook at Ranger Command Power Hour. All one word. I'm also part of the Starfleet Escape podcast, uh, also on the Four Eyed Radio Network, and we're trying to bring back some new episodes because there's a lot going on in the Star Trek universe. So we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good problem to have, yeah. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you would like to find more from me and Derek, you can find us all over the place. A great place to start is our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. Um, I will say this episode is set to drop two days before my birthday. What a oh. beautiful birthday gift it would be for you to join our Patreon. Um, I've begun to create a list of things that now that we've had it for a while that I would love to to use it for to improve our show. So, you know, check that out. There might be something there uh, – that you will enjoy and we will love you for that. So check that out. Patreon.com slash walloping web snappers. Also check out our discord. Uh, we dropped that a couple weeks ago. We would love for some conversations to be popping off in there. Uh, there should be a link in the show notes and presumably we've been tweeting about it quite a bit lately. Uh, so check that out. Uh, you can find us all over the place individually. Derek, where can people find you and the things you're working on? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find me on YouTube under my video essay series, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast where I get together with my friends to talk about Pokemon just as I feel like it. And if you like books and games, you can check me out on a podcast called Novel Gaming where my friends Katie and Vicky and I talk about all the books, games, and media we have been consuming lately. If you'd like more from me and Derek together, check out our monthly podcast, Falling with Style, an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where we watch every Pixar film chronologically. Our episode on Toy Story Story 3 is out now. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure you bring tissues. Visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com, uh, where you can see everything we are working on in a beautifully organized archive. And follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod, or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe on all of your podcast platforms, especially the big ones, because those ratings and reviews make us more visible. Next week... Vulture swoops in and Jameson pilots a very goofy robot in The Sky is Falling and captured by J. Jonah Jameson. See you then. See ya. Bye. How can a weary web swinger fight a human vulture? It's more than a simple riddle. It's a life or death question I have to answer before the deadly birdman and his airborne assassins knock me out of my web forever. bad enough to fight human foes, but when I have to risk my life against a killer robot, I soon learn that even a fella's super spider power may not be enough to save him from defeat and capture and perhaps even sudden death. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, 
does whatever a spider can. Spins a web any size, catches seeds just like flies. Look out, here comes the Spider-Man. Is he strong? Listen, bud. He's got radioactive blood. Can he swing from a thread? Take a look overhead. Hey there, there goes a Spider-Man. We're podcasting here. 